ceremony, Librarius Omnis, where we explore the depths of the Black Library. And welcome back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back <laughs> to our, uh, our last uh, episode of um, Librarius Omnis Mechanicum. Um, <laughs> as we come into the, the final part now, we're really wrapping up the loose ends. Um, if, you've, if this is your first video uh, where you're following along on our uh, Black Library um, Horace Heresy read-along, or at least discussion and analysis, then I recommend you go back and listen to the other parts uh, that we've, we've done so far on Mechanicum, as this really is the concluding part. Um, we've got, I think it's three, maybe four chapters left to go. I think it might be three. Right, um, yeah. And we're just wrapping up, really, the last, the last exploits of uh, Dahlia, um, the fate of the Magma City, as well as uh, you know the, the machinations of the Dark Mechanicum, and you know a little bit more about um, the Astartes' role in the Schism of Mars, as limited as it has been. We get a we get a little bit more of that anyway. But ultimately, um, this is this is the concluding part of Mechanicum. So as I said, if you haven't watched any, haven't watched or listened to any of this yet, um, I recommend you go back and have a listen to that. Otherwise, we will dive straight in to where we left off, um, which I believe is 3.04, or is it 5 we're on now? Four, yep. Four, four, four. Right. Marvellous. I hope so. We might repeat ourselves otherwise, but no. uh, hey, who doesn't? <laughs> We've done it a few times. Let's, let's do it another time. Yeah. And this one, this one is, this, is this a nine-parter now? Or is it an eight-parter? For us, this will be seven, I think. Seven. 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 I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm yeah. It may be one of the longest ones. I'm looking at Thousand Suns. I'm thinking that might be a long one. Um, a ten part. Like it's a thick old book. I the trouble is when it when it comes to all of these, I always underestimate and like I'm like, ah, it'll be we'll do that in three parts. Yeah. And then I'm like, we get into it and it's like, no, actually this is this is hours and hours of content. <laughs> like the next book, which is one of the short ones, because it's a uh you know, a section of short stories, we're going to have to do one for each short story. So yeah. actually that's going to be like a probably five hours worth of, uh, of content plus. So I don't know. I feel like there's seven stories. Maybe more. And I know what we're like. It's a, if it's not seven hours minimum, I'll be surprised. <laughs> so you've got that to look forward to. Yeah. That was a bit of a tangent. Let's get stuck into the, yeah, uh, to, the, to, the to the finale of Mechanicum. Yeah, cool. So we'll, we'll dive straight into it at um, chapter 3.4. So we will join Sigismund of the Imperial Fists. Um, he is with um, the Fabricator Locum Kane um, at his forge, and they're watching all the containers being loaded and sent up in these gigantic towers that Kane has, like loading bays, um, shooting straight up to the orbiting crafts, um, getting ready to basically evacuate all the equipment, but it's not going fast enough for him. Um, Kane previously had told the had told Zeph and the other adepts that uh, no one was attacking him yet, and but unfortunately his privileged status is now coming to an end mm-hmm. as he's uh, looking down at a host of infantry, armor, Skatari, and at, t- at least two legios of engines heading his way. Um, the mission to Mars hadn't gone to plan at all, uh, and Sigismund was quietly raging to himself. The other captain of the Imperial Fist, Cameron Diaz, 
is now trapped at Mondas Gamma, fighting for his life, and the troops uh, sent to break the siege at Maximal's Forge are now being turned back um, time after time by the horrifying creatures that the Dark Mechanicum have created. Yeah. Um, Sigismund is actually offended that these brainless machines are able to uh, spill the blood of Astartes, and the only conclu- consolation that he can find is that when he had arrived, he'd found Cain ready and waiting to evacuate and that Cain still held true to the Emperor. Um, luckily, the Imperial Fists are a well-organised unit, and working with Cain, they had secured a good deal. The Sigismund knew they would leave much more behind than they could rescue. Uh, so far, they'd taken 12,000 suits of Mark IV armour and double the amount of weapons, um, and Sigismund told Cain that they need to move faster. But Cain says, we're going as fast as we can, and Sigismund, in true Astartes fashion, says it needs to be faster. Um and warn, Kane warns him about the impending attack and takes in a data inload and is shocked to see that there are now 60 engines walking towards him. And that's with not counting the rest of the enemy force. And these are the warriors belonging to Ertzi Marvelos, who is one of um, Kelber Howe's friends, mm-hmm. um, one of the Forge Masters of Mars. And he asks if Sigismund can repel the attack. Um, because obviously he's not going to he's not going to last long on his own. And Sigismund says, as much as he would like to make these traitors pay, that's not the mission that I've been tasked with. Um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use my men to evacuate the staff and not some futile act of defiance, which upsets Kane because he can't believe that the Astartes came to rescue him and now just going to take the stuff and run and yeah. leave his forge to to crumble. Yeah, um, to say rescue him. Yeah, is like the uh, rescue him and all of his gear, um, and not necessarily in that order. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, and he's sort of saying, "Look, if my forge goes, how are we going to replenish anything in the future?" And so say, "Well, we don't have time. We either take this now. We've got an hour. Otherwise, we're gonna we're gonna be stuck. So make a decision." But before anyone can, one of the gigantic loading towers explodes, um, and. As it's collapsing, Sigismund says, right, we haven't got an hour. We're going now. Let's get out of here. Um, and the def- these deafening warhorns start blaring, and six warlord titans smash through the outskirts of Kane's forge, um, completely caught them unaware. Um, and Sigismund said, right, get on your ship now. And yeah. Kane's still protesting because he, can't, he just can't fathom that. Like, I mean, how old do you think he is? A couple hundred years old? More than likely, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're um, yeah, they're not probably as long lived as uh, Astartes, but they're still, you know, they're, these are mechanical, right? They're yeah. um, incredibly enhanced, and um, yeah, all, all the knowledge. Like, his Mars is number two, and everything he's worked for is now being squashed. Yeah, um, and he's just not taking it. And Sigma says, "Look, stop messing around." Your forge is gone. You need to come with us. Um, and also, side note, you're now the new fabricator general. So you yeah. need to come with us. <laughs> Congratulations um, on your promotion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then he and she- Kane can't quite take it in. He says, well, what about Zeph and Maximal? And Sigurd says, we can do nothing for them. Yeah. They must stand or fall on their own. Classic Astarte stuff. You know, it's it's like real, you know, time of war. You know, there, there's tough choices that have to be made. Um, 
and in a very, very short time, um, Kane um, and his perspective of the world has, you know, turned 360 and entirely crumpled around him, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's a bit of a change. And then also, it, you know, for him as well, he's, he's having to leave behind um, loyalists. Yeah. In in, in um, uh, Zeph and um, what's his chops? Maximal. Maximal. Yeah. Um, so he's having to leave them behind when you know they're they're just victims of the same heresy that um, uh, Lucas Crom and um, Kelbor Howard have, have bought to the Red Planet. So mm. yeah, not not feeling particularly fair for him, but you know it is what it is, and he's got a. Uh, What's it? Uh, pro, not pro-human. What do they call them? Post-human, a starfy, <laughs> uh, basically telling him he has to go. He, do, he really doesn't have much choice. No, I mean at least he got a promotion out of it. Yeah. So some people benefit. This is true. Like we'll be able to get new business card. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So I'm sure we'll revisit those. Um, when we last saw Dahlia, she just um, inherited. Semyon's power, yeah. um, and he turned to dust. And shortly afterwards, um, Severin turned and stepped off the ledge, um, off the edge of the cliff. Yes, indeed. Um, moment too much for a for a tiny little mind to handle. Yeah, yeah, it was um, yeah, a bad acid trip. Yes, yeah, <laughs> indeed. And um, so Dahlia is um, about to lurch over the edge to where her friend was, and Romu grabbed her before she could fall. Uh, and Zooch grabs her and they try and comfort her and says, look, she did that. She was the type of person who needed certainty. And this place has just shown her that there is nothing certain in the universe. Um, Caxton's still unconscious, laying in the recovery position on the floor. And Zooch says, look, he should be fine. He passed out as soon as the madness started. So hopefully he didn't see too much and it won't have any lasting effects. He's laughing. Caxton's the one that gets out of this scot-free. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, he's just going to lay there now, and that's the end of him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's just going to wake up and be like, oh, I missed it? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, he did. That's fine. Yeah. Well done, buddy. Good effort. Yeah. Thanks for the trip. Um, and Zooch says, oh, are we going to release the dragon now? And Dahlia says, no, look, you were right before. Some things do need to stay locked up forever. Um, and tells him that she's been brought here to replace Semyon as guardian, and Zooch is begging her not to stay, but she says, look, I won't be alone. And Romu bows before her and says that as long as he functions, he will protect her. And she says, well, that may be a very long time, and takes hold of his hand and passes a small amount of the glowing power over to him. Um, And like she did, all his achy joints and rusty bolts are healed and back to 100% as good as no. Um, so with that, Zooch and Romu carry Caxton back along the path they'd taken to get there, back through the abandoned laboratory and then back through the glowing tunnels of the Noctis Labyrinthius and back to the surface where their crawler waited, where it ran out of power. Uh, and Zooch asked if Dahlia really has to stay and she says she did. And she, they hugged openly and he cried um, and said, I'm never going to see you again, will I? And she says, no, you won't. And you can't tell anyone about this place. Tell them that I died when the Kaban machine attacked us. And Zooch says, well, what about Caxton? And she says, when he wakes up, tell him that I think I would have loved him. And I'm sorry that we never got to find out. Um, bummer. It, that's yeah. not going to be a nice thing to wake up to. Oh, dear. 
Mm. I mean, they had one night together, didn't they? Yeah. Or a couple of nights, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, this is a, you know, no, no, no good for his point of view. Not only does he pass out, but he's been uh, cock blocked by some mysterious, <laughs> mysterious, mysterious power. <laughs> some, cre- some creepy old man in a cave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not gone well for him. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, his ca- character arc is not strong. <laughs> no. No, I mean, again, he was another means to getting out there, wasn't he? But yeah, I mean, he hasn't been killed by a, an assassin, and he hasn't thrown himself off a ledge, so he's doing okay. But yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's pretty good. Like, it, it, if you look at the yeah the list of her friends, yeah, you know, he's he's coming out on top. <laughs> yeah, and he got to sleep through the worst of it. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. He's not going to none of the scars that the others have to bear, like Zeus. But Jesus, <laughs> he's, he's seen the light. Seen all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's gonna need some therapy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and <laughs> um, so he says, "Well, how am I supposed to get home? Like the the cargo five's not working, and uh, the golden light shines in Dahlia's eyes." Who said, "I'm pretty sure I'll be able to give it enough power to get you back to the Magna City." Um, and as they begin to walk towards it, the crawler explodes in front of them, and the kebab machine rolls through the smoke towards them yeah um i don't know they really don't know what's going on do they like to think that maybe that was a, a good thing that thing's been blown up because they're not going back to the magma city no well they don't they don't know yeah they don't know what's actually happening because before like they they obviously heard the chatter about it but they the war that's come to mars they're pretty much unaware of it because they've yeah. been on their quest to go after the dragon to try and find out what it is and maybe let it out. And then she's got there, had the Holy Grail moment, and then has gone, oh, no, we can't. And yeah. so, like, right, okay, cool, I guess. Mm. <laughs> Somehow they've managed to find a, the, the one path across Mars that's avoided all the nukes going off. It, yeah, well, <laughs> because, you know, they, they as, we, as we talked about the last time when they were on their train journey, um, you know, they were going to all of the, you know, quiet you know, Crater's Edge and, uh, yeah. you know. No one town. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like Lonely Whistle and uh, <laughs> all of those <laughs> like, tired little places where no one lives. So I mm. can't see that there was anything too strategic happening. And because it's, I suppose, because it's the Noctis Labyrinth where in the past, because they mention it as well, that none of the adepts that went out there before could could find a way to, to make their forges work. Because yeah. Too much bad juju going on. Um, I guess there's nothing out there. So war isn't going to come to that part of the world, apart no. from, with the exception of the um, caban machine. Yes. Um, and we will revisit them again, as we do. Um, we're going to go back to Zeph in the Magma City now. Um, and she is watching her monitors in absolute horror. Um, the city's laying in ruins. Um, as are the forges of Cain, Crom, uh, and Maximal, and basically any, anybody's named forge is is having a bad time at the minute. And she, yeah. um, Maximal's forge is being overrun. The Astartes and Croms were retreating, and from Cain's as well. Um, and when she'd first seen them lift off from Cain's forge, she'd hoped they were going to do an arc and land at her forge to throw back the mechanica, the dark mechanicum. Yeah. Um, but quickly it was obvious that they'd recovered as much armor as they could and they were going to evacuate, secure it, 
and then go and try and stand against Horus and take business elsewhere. She opened a new sphere um, to Maximal, Princess Princeps Cavalario of Tempestus and Lord Caterix and Vertical Order of Tyrannus. And um, she says, the order from Cain um, is save what you can, destroy the rest. Uh-huh. And they all feel the abandonment and betrayal. But logically, they understand the legions can't risk losing what they saved in another uh, rescue attempt. Maximal definitely uh, promised that the enemy is not going to take his reactors. And Zeph confirmed they would not take her Akashic reader, but she was gutted that she and Dahlia had never gotten it working. Yeah. And uh, Verticorda says, then there is only one order left to give. And again, we'll come back to them because now we're going to go straight back to Dahlia. And the, as the Kaban machines roll in towards her, uh, and Dahlia can sense its absolute hatred towards her, she knew that she wouldn't be able to trick it again. The machine had learned its lesson. Romu screamed for them to get back in towards the cave. Uh, and it fired a rocket at them, which fell short, sending them flying across the ground. Uh, and they turned back to look at it as it made ready to finish them off. Uh, and more gunfire erupted. But after a moment, Dahlia was shocked to see that it hadn't been aimed at them. The command machine stood still intact. but smoke was coming from it following the barrage it had taken, its void shield screaming to remain alive. Two knights in midnight blue armour strode towards it. The knights of Tyrannis had arrived. Finally, they made it. They got there. <laughs> yeah. Maven was overjoyed to see the enemy machine could be hurt. His autoloaders got to work reloading the cannon on his arm, and he unsheathed a four-metre war blade on his right fist. The machine was exactly how he remembered it, but he was struck by the creepy artificial intelligence he sensed as it aimed its weapons at him. Maven then spotted a small group of people hiding in a ditch, uh, with a red cloak protector. He didn't know who they were, but the fact that the Kaban machine was trying to kill them was reason enough to protect them. He boxed over to Kronos and said, let's take this thing out exactly how we planned. And Kronos charged in and Maven ripped loose on it. They had to work in unison, but also changed their methods as um, the machine was learning, had learned their attacks already. So they had to yep. ignore their decades of training and try and be unpredictable to the Kaban machine. Um, they ran it in unnatural j- zigzagging patterns, opening fire on it from awkward angles and for- forcing it back uh, in confusion. It couldn't hit them as it was struggling to decide where and when to shoot. Um, Maven then noticed that Kronos had been clipped a few times and his shields were flickering and told him to mix it up more. It's learning too fast. And Kronos told him to shut up. I don't find it as easy to break the rules as you do. <laughs> now, even, even when they're like getting absolutely mullered, they're just like... He's, he's still not happy with it. He's still no. not happy with Maven. Come on, get it, get it together. But yeah, it's it, it, it's quite a funny section. As I said, funny. it's not like humorous funny. It's more like seeing them, the two knights, obviously, with all of their training, trying really, really hard to be unpredictable. Yeah. It's, it's always that, that time thing. If someone says you be unpredictable, you're almost predictable in your unpredictability, if that makes yeah. sense. Because it's like... Oh, I know. I'll be unpredictable by running in zigzags, and the machine's going to go. He's being unpredictable. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to zig or zag? Yeah, it's a self-fulfilling issue that I yeah. that I have with him. But fine. <laughs> for, for, for the essence of this, I get it. Yeah. Um, so. Maven reversed his advance um, to try and throw it off, but too late. The Kaban machine hit him directly in the chest, sending 
him back in a painful blast and he dropped to one knee. He turned one shoulder to face the Kabam machine to absorb as much damage as he could on his last remaining shield, but felt agony as his armour started splintering away. He called out in desperation and Kronos charged the Kabam machine, smashing into it before moving back. And the Kabam was ready and sent a bolt of plasma through his chest mount. Kronos was able to dart through the smoke before it could finish him off. Um, Kronos had taken a risk by exposing himself, but the Kabam machine was still outnumbered. So it backed up against the cliff face, just as they had expected. Maven fired at the cliffs above, sending huge boulders crashing down on the Kaban, which somehow managed to keep its shields alive. He then charged the machine, firing like mad, and Kronos came out from the smoke and did exactly the same, and eventually the weight of fire broke the shields. Maven charged and drove his four-metre blade directly into the machine, and it screamed out in pain as he twisted the blade, killing it. As it died, it emitted a powerful death scream, which smashed most of the systems in Maven's cockpit. Injured and exhausted, he backed off. The Equitus Bellum satisfied with its kill. So the essence of the machine rushed through him in order to ease his own pain. Before he realised it, the soul of his mount came to the forefront and took control. He tried to fight it, but he couldn't call out to Kronos uh, and couldn't do that either. And then outside, he saw a small woman led by a robe protector approach him. Against his will, he felt the Equitus Bellum drop to a knee and bow down to her. He sensed that Kronos had done the same as well. The woman looked up with fire in her eyes and touched his mount, and instantly he felt warmth infuse every molecule of his being, and the woman said, Machine, heal thyself. Nice callback to the very beginning when the Emperor did that, right? Yeah. The Emperor did. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. interesting, that kind of callback. Yeah, so... It's sort of like, well, what's we know that the the emperor put the dragon um, down in the caves or in the Noxus Labyrinthus, yeah, and Dahlia's got it. So, what's the power come from, though? Like, is this the emperor's power, it, which Semyon had to keep the dragon at bay? Is that what's been passed to her? So, is she now got some I, of the emperor's power. I, I think it's it's that. Yeah. I well. That's that's my take on it. I'm sure there'll be other lawheads out there that will have a different take. She is a, my take is that she is a conduit for some of the emperor's energies, as it were. Mm. Um, that you know are allowing her to not only like hill machines, like the the titans and everything else that comes up in a minute, um, but also you know that because that's part of her gift, as it were. Yeah. So that's why she's she's kind of selected for this. Um, but also then gives her the ability to keep the dragon of Mars, whatever that may be, um, under wraps and sedated. Because we don't, I don't think we're going to find out anything else for a little while now. Well, not in this book, anyway. We, no, um, yeah. The, given where we are in the book and how long is left, no, you, we don't. We do, we won't find anything more about her power. Mm. Like that won't be confirmed, or the dragon of Mars. Mm. Do you know mean, that doesn't mean we won't in the future? I was going to say, do you know when we, if we see Dahlia again in the series? Do you know what? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Yeah. As, as I said, I don't know if, as as with all of these things with the heresy, everyone tends to go for the bolt stuff. So I, I just start looking at, you know, when do I see the Space Wolves again? When do I mm-hmm. see the Dark Angels again? When do I see the first appearance of the Blood Angels? Like, proper. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Mechanicum, 
I've not looked to see when the next Mechanicum book, if any, pops up. Um, I think... Surely that... We, I, surely we will. I think we do hear from Dahlia again, but I don't know if it's actually in the Heresy series. I know she's in the lore. Right. Like, so she is... Like, If you look her up on like, um, Lexicanum or the... What's the other one that people look at? Uh, Lexicanum or the fandom. Uh, wikis, you'll find more on Dahlia. Um, and like, there's I was so, total tangent. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching a battle report, uh, tabletop tactics, uh, just last week. Um, and they were playing uh, Mechanicus versus I can't remember who they were up against, it's Mechanicum versus someone else, but they had named one of their characters, one of like the adepts, um, Dahlia. Like free free o or something. Oh like really? That. Like, oh, that's a nice touch. Like, I wonder what whether that's that's in relation to this or just you know. Her That'd be a, a quality mini to have. It just walks around healing everything all the time. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, as I said, total tangent. But yeah. It was a it was a nice touch, and I was as I was listening to, it, I was like, oh, Dahlia. I know, I know, Dahlia. <laughs> oh, check me out. <laughs> oh, I, I I get that reference. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. So yeah, hopefully we'll we'll learn some more because I still feel like her arc. I'm pretty. Sure, I, I can't remember if we touch on her again at all. But her arc's pretty much complete, and I still don't feel like we know enough. No. 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 Mm. So we'll move on to chapter three point zero five. As night fell over the magma city, so did most of the forge as it was bathed in fire from relentless bombardments. Deus Tempestus walked through the ruins of the city, flattening anything on its way. The full strength of Legio Tempestus marches out from the shelter of the Magma City, their blue armour and banners contrasting the gloomy dark skies around them. Cavalario looked up at the centre position. To his right um, was Sharak's battle group, including Cassim and Lamnos, and Princeps Suzak to his left, with Morden and Basek. As they formed up, he addressed them all. This is the most dreadful and glorious moment of our lives. I'm not one for sentiment. If the day of our death isn't one for melodrama, then I don't know what is. All that matters is that we show these mortis dogs what it means to stand against us and feel our wrath. It has been an honour and a privilege. Let the Omnissiah guide you. And then the replies are, the honour is ours, good hunting, um, and general cheers and bravado going into it that's it they're, uh, they're, they're the band on the uh, deck of the titanic uh, yeah they keep playing it's going down <laughs> they're black adder really aren't they yeah, that 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 yeah that's an even better reference yeah yeah the end of black black adder goes forth that's exactly it yeah um yeah so below them though are the uh tempestus scutari who are marching forward to meet those from mortis and Cavalier took a moment to admire the bravery of them to go to war beneath a Titan battle. Um, because not only are they got to worry about getting shot and stabbed by each other, they're going to get stepped on and blown up as well. Yeah. Because um, yeah. at, that, at that size and scale of battle, like the, uh, the, the Skatari and the, the ground troops that are underneath them are, you know, that, that's all collateral damage, right? It almost seems pointless, doesn't it? They're only so 
tangent, side note. <laughs> so what they're traditionally for, for the Scutaria, when it comes to Titan battles and stuff like that, and this is seen if you watch uh, Hell's Reach, it's a good example, they're there to stop like squirrely little um, like orc commandos or other melee units and, and like uh, counter titan grenade units from, from getting too close to uh, mm-hmm. the weaker knee joints and feet. So they're just right. there as like a melee shield. Slightly different in um, this example because they're, they're going, it's titan war, right? Normally yeah. they would be deployed as part of not necessarily Titan War. Titan is a weapon in a war. They need Skatari or ground troops just to act as a flak barrier. Right. Whereas this is Titan War, that these two little groups, they don't do anything. They just fight each other while this big, these big Titans are having to go at each other. I suppose it's, get, it's better than getting uh, melted um, inside a magma city or something, though, isn't it? So they might as well go out fighting. Yeah, and, you know, in all fairness, I know... Um, like what his chops has said, like he uh, he admires them. You know, these are Skatari, like how much of their humanity is left is, yeah. is debatable. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I suppose they're just weaponized killing machines now, aren't they? Like most you know, most things. They're probably a bit better than servitors, like they they still, you know, have a bit of nous about them, but yeah. they're also not you know, they they are they're better than servitors, but yeah, that's not saying much. <laughs> no. oh, fair enough. Um, so yeah, so that's all going on below. Um, he then gives the order to march, knowing that um, they've own. Uh, start that again. So he put he put the Skatari from his mind, um, and he scanned the mortis engines. They only had one engine more than he did, but with their Aquila Ignis, Legio Mortis outgunned them massively. Um, however, following the loss of their warhounds earlier on, Mortis were keeping it tight together as they were worried that Tempestus had another trick up their sleeves. And uh, Cavalierio gave the order to march. Uh, on the other side of the Magma City, Melgata's twisted Scutari and protectors threw themselves in droves against the Balkan Gate. A mighty blast of artillery cleared the gateway, and before the Dark Mechanicum could regroup, the gates opened and the Knights of Tyrannus strode out. Verticorda and Caterix led nine other knights, formed a wedge, and they charged full speed into the enemy lines, killing hundreds every second with their ferocious firepower. The enemy was stunned at first, but were able to regroup um, and sent their own armour forward. Two knights were caught in the sheer mass of Skatari and dragged down, and another knight was killed when an experimental weapon from the vaults of the uh, Moverek shot a beam of dark light directly through it, melting the machine from the inside. Another knight had its legs taken out by the weapon, and a host of enemy clambered onto it. Rather letting them scavenge from it, Verticorda turned back and fired at it until it hit its core, sending it up in a blast of plasma. Already, only seven knights remained, but they had managed to cover almost two kilometres. And it wasn't just a feral charge. Each step brought them close to their target. Ambassador Melgator. And then back to the Titans. Um, Cassian was in his warhound, Raptoria, and he was darting around the flank of a bigger reaver, which was ahead of the rest of the Mortis engines. He was using cover to hide 
himself between bursts of fire, wearing down the reaver's shields. Although Mortis was closing in, the enemy reaver wasn't going to let this warhound try and get its uh, get in its way and diverted its advance towards Cassim, smashing through a building to deny his cover. Uh, it caught Cassim in its sights and the Reaver stopped and began blasting away the rest of the buildings to manage to get a direct hit on the smaller engine. And as soon as it started, Princess Lamnos in the Astros Lux emerged from the shadows behind the Reaver, advanced, pouring heavy fire in a concentrated area and eventually blew out his shields. Both of the... Um, Tempestus engines um, now fired in concentrated volleys at the exposed mortis engines and its bellowing warhound turned to screams of agony before its armour gave out in an explosive way. The two Tempestus engines bounded away as the mortally wounded engine fell in slow motion to the ground. Cassian moved on using the buildings and smoke and ashes cover as Astroslux backed off into the shadows and moved around the dead engine. Unfortunately, this attack on the Reaver had left them exposed for too long and the dead Mortis Reaver partner had worked up a firing solution and sent a huge volley of missiles which impacted around the legs of Astros Lux, knocking it to the ground, breaking its shields instantly. He tried to crawl into cover but his legs were completely broken and it was too slow moving. The enemy Reaver simply walked over the Astros Lux, crushing it. Engine kill. On the far left flank, there was much less cover to utilise for a swift hunt. Princeps Morden in his reaver Arcadia Fortis and Princeps Basic in the Warhound Volpus Rex worked in unison against two large Mortis reavers. Mortis had superior firepower and knew it as they pushed forward, not counting on the two commanders who were ferocious hunters willing to give them hell and would get everything they had before being destroyed themselves. Uh, the, two temp- te- the two Tempestus engines fired everything they could at the nearest Reaver until its shields uh, were shut off uh, to avoid them blowing out completely. Uh, Farsis Hastus, a warlord engine, had been waiting for the opportunity and fired a beam of nuclear energy, hitting the Reaver in the cockpit, causing a large explosion, uh, and the wreckage flew as far as six kilometres around. Um, as the two smaller engines had been concentrating on the Reaver, it allowed... Uh, its partner to advance untouched and it was able to get close enough to fire Arcadia Fortis so brutally that its shields gave out too quickly. It fired a lucky shot hitting the carapace emitter which connected to the engine's neural network which in turn connected to the cerebral cortex of Princeps Mordant. He died as if he had been shot directly in the head grinding the engine to the halt and leaving the remaining crew trapped and at the mercy of its foes. Uh, Princeps Basic in the smaller engine attempted to flee. However, it was already weakened from previous attacks and the screaming reaver fired in front of it, causing the earth to erupt, leaving a large crater for it to fall into. As it fell, it snapped off an arm. Volpus Rex landed with broken legs and Basic tried to eject from the engine, but a brutal volley tore his engine to pieces. Suddenly, the dark sky was lit up with a bright sunset of an atomic detonation somewhere in the distance. So, pretty brutal for um, Cavalero's team there. I think they lost more. Yeah, it's sad times, really, because you know you root for them, and they're 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 you know they're going out and they're noble. Then they're trying to have their noble way out, but um, you know, there's they're, they're just numbers are against them, right? They don't have the weight of firepower. 
um, that yeah. mortars do. So it is, it is kind of they they put up a really good fist of it, as it were, and then um, you know the weight of numbers just gets to them. Yeah, I think um, that Morden's death was pretty grim, though. Just like for for the crew around him, just seeing him drop dead inside the machine. Yeah, it's uh, that. Yeah. I mean, as I said, as if he's shot in the head. That's um, yeah. yeah, it's pretty rough. Pretty rough going, even as a um, what's it, a princeps. Yeah. Um, so I think well, they've lost three uh, of the and three like princeps as well. Like three, three guys who have been mentioned on and off throughout as well. Like yeah. uh, Morden definitely was, wasn't he? Um, it's not so much to it, it, it's a significant loss of, yeah. uh, you know, experience and t- Titans because it's, it's engine death, right? They're, they're, yeah. they're, lo- they're losing whole assets. It's not like, um, you know, playing on the tabletop and you lose a couple of blokes in your squad. Yeah. Um, you know, you're still pretty combat effective. This is one and done. Yeah. Um, but we'll come back to a bit more of that in a minute. Um, and... So, like I said, the nuclear blast or the massive atomic blast has just gone off, um, and Zeph's still watching things from her bright from her screens and has to shield her eyes from the bright light. Um, the human portion of her body brimmed with sadness, knowing what that explosion had been. Mm-hmm. She scanned the monitors again, um, all along Apolva Maximal's reactor change at the Ulysses Fosse. A wave of fiery mushroom clouds was causing unimaginable damage for hundreds of kilometres around. Goodbye, Maximal, said Zeph, before refocusing on the conflict at her own forge. And now it was her turn to follow in Maximal's footsteps to ensure that Kelbor Howe couldn't capture her technology for his own ends. She turned away from the screens and walked towards a shaft descending down through the forge, followed by a primitive servitor in a hooded robe. They paused together by the shaft as a dozen slim pillars raised out the ground. She stepped into the circle and connected herself to each column and began giving instructions to shut down her forge. Muttering out loud, she hoped that Kane had been able to save some of her new sphere data as it would be a shame as everything she had created would be lost. And as she was saying this to herself out loud, a voice replied, Even in defeat, you are vain. And Zeph was unsurprised as she saw the sleek assassin floating towards her. My employer wants this forge intact, so you must stop what you're doing. And Zeph refused, so Romare shot her twice in the chest. Um, yeah, so Maximal's gone. Another, another big character. Yeah, yeah. Like him, tick him off the list. Gone in a big way as well. Like it's, uh, you know, they only, they only do it one way in Mars. And that's yeah. uh, big, big explosions. <laughs> He didn't think he'd have it in him as well, the way they sort of talked about him being a bit fussy. Yeah, but I think, yeah, no, I mean, you're right, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like, there's, there's, there's still, you know, even though these are adepts and, as, as described, somewhat removed from their humanity, mm. um, there's still a sense of honour. Um, and that's, that's, that's what comes through as their, their kind of, destroying their forges is um you know it's we can't let it fall to the traitors so it's there there is an element of you know honor honor that's going on there which is quite it's quite nice Uh, i suppose it it pulls them together a little bit with the uh, the astarte side of things which is very honor led yeah um 
so in that regard it's quite good but um yeah big character for this book and for the wider setting yeah um because we don't you know we don't really talk about that type these are forge masters of of mars um up until now hold, held quite you know big sway and influence and now hey, he was a big deal wasn't he yeah and now, now you know they're literally going nuclear mm-hmm. so it is it is it is quite a big deal for the setting as well yeah but we're going to finish this chapter on probably my favorite scene from the book now i was going to say this bit is good <laughs> yeah this is this is the Knights of Tyrannus, last hurrah. So definitely, like, again, like we've said a few times, if you're going to read anything, this is the scene to read. Yeah. I think. Uh, so Knights of Tyrannus. Uh, Versicorda was feeling it now. His shields were completely gone. His carapace was cracked and he had dozens of wounds. He couldn't feel his left arm and the knee that had been healed by the emperor all those years ago was seizing up again. All around him, the enemy was battering him and the remaining knights. Two more had fallen to get them this far. He wasn't afraid of death, but he was afraid that the enemy would capture his machine. He fired at a group of protectors who were trying to outflank them, whilst Catarix kept carving the path next to them. The three remaining knights were the best he'd ever seen. Uh, Yelsik, Agamon and Old Stator, who had survived from his uh, grievous wound earlier on. Uh, Ahead, he could see the blank pavilion... Uh, where Melgator sat watching his men die, and he promised he would not die whilst Melgator still lived. Unfortunately, Agamon was finally killed after wave after wave of soldiers had died throwing themselves against his knight, detonating explosive against him, finally taking out his shields and bringing him to the ground. Old Stator died next in a glorious effort. He extended twin blades outside either side, held them down, kept them low, and ran directly through the masses towards Melgator's standard. Unfortunately, a lucky shot hit him in the cockpit, and he crashed to the ground. The last three knights charged through the opening that Stator had provided them. Catarix rode tall next to him, his knight on the verge of destruction, and on the other side, Yelsik, who had been by his side from the day the Emperor had first stepped foot on Olympus Mons, still carrying the Tyrannus banner high. The bastards are running, shouted Verticorda, as they saw the golden banners moving away from from them. Catarix called him a coward, and Yelsik claimed that he won't escape them. Fresh volleys hit Verticorda, making him cry out in pain. Even as the fresh wounds threatened to bring him down, he felt a sustaining power flow through him. The presence of Aeris Lictor's former masters poured through him, eager to accompany him in its last moments. They sighted Melgator, surrounded by a cohort of brutal ogre-like Skatari. The three of them rode to hell, smashing through the outer soldier cordon. All three of them were broken, spilling vital fluids. This was the last action they would ever take. With their final breaths, they would take this foe and victory. Versicorda mowed down a dozen warriors, but screamed in pain again. This time, though, his arm was shorn from its mount in a beam of light from a flame lance. His vision blurred and blood filled his throat. He was dying. Yelsik ran forward, catching the brunt of the flame lance, shearing through his armour, blowing up his cockpit, and his mount skidded through the enemy warriors to a final halt. Into them, cried Catarix, and acting on instinct alone, the last two knights ran through the path left by Yelsik's corpse. Melkator was screaming for his bearers to get him away. Both knights aimed at him, and Verticorda shouted, I cast the lightning of Tyrannus at thee. Both knights opened 
open fire straight from the ground, blasting through the Skatari and hitting Melgisar. His voice shield protected him for less than a moment, but the concentrated fire overpowered it, and the resulting explosion heard him through the air. He was cut to pieces by the knights before he even hit the floor. Uh, with the enemy dead, Verticorda felt the spirits leaving his mount, and the pain came flooding back to him. His knee finally blew out, and he fell down. And in his last moments, he smiled as he heard Catterick shouting defiance to his own end. As he died, the spirit of the heiress Lictor welcomed him home. And that's the end of the Knights of Tyrannis. What a way to go, though, right? Honestly, that was, I read it. Like, I read it. When I was doing this, I stopped, I was reading it, and I thought, I haven't read anything down, <laughs> so I had to read it again. But yeah. It's so good. Like, I'd, I'd like to hear that on the audio book. Oh, it's good. That, that's what I mean. It, 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 you really get chills, right? Yeah. Because it's, um, like, it's, it's, it's just really good. Like, it's mm-hmm. really well written. Uh, if you listen to the audio book, it's really, you know, really well read. You feel the... Um, like the the satisfaction that they're having, even though like it's the last charge, and like you know, as a reader, you're like, "Good fucker, I'm glad they got him." <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's one of the things. It? It's like they're all good characters, but you'd be pissed off to see Melkor appear in the future. Yeah, like, I'm glad he's dead. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> good, well done. Like, yeah. good job, guys. I, do you know what? I'd love to see that animated with uh, old Stator getting the big blades out and just. Well, it's the you know you can just see him like shrink and like holding them down low and running. Yeah. it's very um, Pacific Rim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I, yeah. I mean, such a, a cool scene, and it's sad because the Knights of Trance, they've got the best name I think of, a, of any Legion yeah. in, in in this book. They've got some of the best sort of characters, and um, the knights are just cool. I think as well. They yeah. are. They are amazing. Like, yeah, they look cool. They're totally impractical and would never work in reality. <laughs> <laughs> but no. they're, 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 they're like they're, they're just one of those that is very very cool. And like, I feel for any going back to the actual uh, tabletop. I feel for knights players because. Again, they're great models. You could only take a couple because of the points cost. Um, and then, you know, you can't really do much with them because they're so big. Yeah. But while you've got them, they're very cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do like a knight. Yeah. And they, and they they probably score one of the best victories as well. Like it doesn't mean, it probably doesn't mean too much more, but they killed someone who was key in bringing this destruction on everyone as well. Yeah, no, it was, it was a, you know, they, they, they took down the target they needed to take down. And as I said, proper blaze of glory. Mm-hmm. Like it's, uh, you know, there's no, this, this, that's exactly what it is. It's a blaze of glory. And that's, yeah. that's the way they went out. So, um, you know, all of it, as I said, it, it makes, it is chills because you like, you're hearing about the, you know, the spirits, the previous riders, the machine spirits as well, all like dragging them together to just, drag them through this last sort of Herculean effort, knowing that it's a, it's a one-way trip. There is no way this is going to end any way other than 
yeah them them dying but they're like we don't care we're we're you know there is no way melgator is uh is getting away with it yeah. that, that's just it's just very very cool so we're going to move into the final chapter now of mechanicum it's been a it's been a journey and this is gonna it has this is gonna go fast and we're gonna jump between the last of legio tempestus and it's maybe somebody else who's still alive um so 306 <clears throat> blood and warnings filled the liquid around cavalero's um amniotic fluid chamber critical failures and warnings telling him the engine was suffering ahead of him three of his warlords advanced towards the aquila ignis which had not yet opened fire um his moderati gave him an update on the position of the remaining engines they were still outgunned and the enemy were given as good as they got and the commanders of each were skilled as you did not become a princess without proving yourself a hundred times over um, but he did have an advantage that no one else did. Being entombed in the amniotic fluid made him one with the machine and his skill, and he had managed to keep this engine alive when it should have died several times already. Being so in tune with it, he was able to act a couple of seconds ahead of anybody else. Uh, he then targeted a warlord titan in front of him, smashed it with his volcano cannon, knocking its shields offline. They had been so close to the explosion, it affected his systems, so he ordered them to back off, refocus, and make sure the enemy uh, couldn't focus on them. Um, the volcano cannon called and charged, and he hit the enemy right in the centre, almost cutting it clean down the middle as it vanished in a wall of flame. His crew cheered. And the wall all crumbled as he had taken a risk, moving his power from the shields to the cannon, but he had needed the extra killing power. He breathed a sigh of relief, but then Aquilus Ignis opened fire. Zeph tried to remain upright, but her legs gave out. Um, I hope you weren't hoping to get some uh, quick closure on... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. In case you um, it, we're now somewhere else. Yeah, uh, you blinked. So, yeah, but um, unfortunately, Zeph's legs gave out. She slumped down onto her knees. She looked at her chest and at the two wounds that were leaking blood, but was surprised as her void shield was still intact. Uh, Romare stepped up with a look of amusement and said, I suppose you're wondering why your void shield didn't save you. These rounds are handcrafted and utilise technology similar to warp missiles used by Titans. Actually, Zeph said, I was wondering how long it would take for the new spheric trip code to affect you. You think you are so clever, Assassin, but I am a high adept of the Mechanicum and no one is cleverer than me. Romero was shocked when she saw the elegant code in Zeph's data packets seep into her own augmetics, slowly shutting them down. She panicked, but Zeph said it's too late, and uh, Romare's magnograph thrusters cut out, causing her to crash to the floor. The assassin tried to move, but she was not used to having useless metal legs, and Zeph also tried to move, but one of the bullets had hit her spine, and she couldn't feel her legs either. Romare said, I'm going to kill you, and uh, Zeph said, no, you won't, and she called for her old friend Polk, and she said, you remember my apprentice, don't you, the one whose mind you destroyed? Even he can still be useful, and I've been able to hide him from you in plain sight due to his now crude nature. Polk bent over and lifted up Romare, and Zeph read the confusion and terror in her biofield. And Zeph said to Polk, dispose of her, pointing at the shaft, dropping down into the magma below. Hold her tight all the way down. Zeph turned back to the control column and gave out her last instruction. 
So that's your assassin done <laughs> by her own her own trickery, which which I really enjoyed. Mm. Um, I, I like the you know the interplay because this this assassin has always been like I am in total control. Yeah. And even like here, she's like, "Oh, I wonder. I, I can see you wondering why this has happened." And then Zeph's like, "No, fuck you." Fuck you. <laughs> um, and then I also I really love the touch of the um, the old assistant who had his mind mangled, yeah, um, turned into a uh, servitor um, because that's that's all he is now. Yeah. But is able, even if he's not conscious of it, is getting his own revenge. And I, I just like Chef's kiss. It was a yeah. good moment. R- very, very nice. That's it. He's dead anyway, so why not? Why not go out like that? Yeah, it, 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 I mean, and there's a lot of that at this point. There's a lot of that going on in this book. So you're like, again, like you know, dying for the cause. You feel like, you know, a lot of these characters. You wish. They they, 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 you know, maybe, maybe we'd hear more from them or other stories and stuff like that. But this is the way of it. It's, it's a brutal heresy. Yeah. Um, and I just, yeah, I enjoy the fact that this assassin, who doesn't do a lot to endear, endear themselves to, uh, to us as a reader, mm. is, is getting their comeuppance, um, in a very satisfying way. Yeah, and that's it, isn't it? Like she did it because she enjoyed it. Yeah. Wiped his mind, and now, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, this is this is this is what you get. Mm. So I, I quite I quite enjoyed uh, yeah. this this little section and that element where he get as I said unknowingly gets his revenge. Yeah. Uh, right, uh, and now the big finale. So Titans, what we've all come in for. Um, Aquila Ignis obliterated Pharsis Hastutus. An engine that had marched to victory on a hundred worlds. Cavalero felt the death of Princess Suzak like a knife to the heart. He had to fight off letting grief of the death of his friend consume him. Uh, and with that, he demanded a sit rep. I need to know who still stands. The only returns came from Metellus Cerebria and Raptora. Um, and the Scutari were still fighting, but they were almost completely gone. His Titans had fought like warriors and had done their fair share of killing before their own demise. All that remained from Mortis was the giant Titan monster. No matter what, Mortis would leave the majority of its engines a burning wreck on the surface, despite expecting their much easier victory. He canted for his shield to be brought back online, and the Moderati reported that the Aquila was now firing again. He opened his comms to his brothers, but before he could say anything... um, an impact hit him, more painful than the death of his previous victorious magna. Uh, internal parts exploded all over the Titan, and he spasmed in pain in the tank. In the last seconds of his life, he saw his friends march towards the mortis engine, knowing they couldn't hurt it, but they tried anyway. Cerebro died first. His right leg smashed away as it fell. A scornful barrage of rockets finished it off, and Raptoria lasted a few more seconds. Its shields were wiped out by another volley, and this time its speed couldn't save it, as a volley of apocalypse rockets wiped it out a kilometre square where it had been standing. Cavalero pushed himself to the front of his tank, and he saw that his Moradorati was dead, slumped over his station. The steersman Lucas was no more than a mangled lump of flesh on the floor, and he couldn't see anybody else at the front of the cockpit because it had been completely ripped open, and 
not looking through any screens, he could see the mortis engine marching towards him. The only living being inside with him was his engine seer, who had replaced Margus Agre, um, the guy whose brain had melted out of his head previously. Um, he had only been spared from the fireball due to not having any flesh. And he said to him, we can't let them capture us. You know what to do. And he agreed and shut down all the reactor safeties. Seconds later, Deus Tempestus went critical and exploded with the force of a miniature supernova. The last act of destruction on Mars was saved for the magma city itself. With Melkator dead, his warriors rallied under the banner of a warlord named Las Taol. They stormed the city, killing soldiers that resisted and capturing Magos and adepts that had survived. Artillery continued to impact any defences, but the ground began to shake. The magma city had always been regulated in order to prevent the lava from overflowing into the city and stopping the volcano from erupting. But in her dying moments, Zephyr had disabled the regulators, setting off an unstoppable reaction. The ground shook and lava began pouring over the walls of the city as it slowly began to sink. The Vulcan Gate crumbled and the Typhon Causeway cracked and tipped more than 10,000 men and war machines into the magma lakes below. Mortis sounded the retreat, but nothing could outrun the overflowing lava which poured into the city and beyond. The Aquila Ignis turned and walked at flank speed, but even this was not fast enough as the lava reached it and overtook. It managed about another five steps before its shields went and its feet melted, pulling it down into the lava. It fell backwards, crushing itself under its own weight. The only thing that was not destroyed was the Hellstorm Cannon. In time, this would be recovered for use in another world. But for now, the Titan was dead. Zeph's forge filled with lava as it sank. All of her great work was destroyed, as if it never existed in the first place. With her destruction, all hope of lifting the Imperium into a golden age of scientific progress was lost forever. And that's pretty much the end of Mechanicum. All the Titans died. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. sad at the end. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we've gone through this like real big journey through three different kind of visions. Like so uh Dahlia's peace, Zeph's sort of arc, and then and then obviously the Titan side of it. And the Titans and Zeph end up in the same sort of place. Yeah. Same sort of arc that, that comes together. The Dahlia piece is slightly aside and different, but is you know, is just just yeah, something that becomes something very, very unique. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's uh, it's it's sad, tragic. Like you, you feel yeah, you feel really like like there's there's a noble, honourable sacrifice by the good guys, but a lot of the good guys, and you we're not really going to see any of it pay off, like in terms of. The, the heresy because it's it's early on but it's also so so far removed i mean like the whole point of it now like the whole point of that was let's take each other's stuff yeah we want it for our war and they've all and it's like uh they've just destroyed themselves not out of spite but well, it is out of spite so you can't have it so all these loyalists have just had to destroy their life's work, kill themselves and lose everything just so the, the chaos couldn't get it. 
yeah, the traitors are are not. You know, they can't they can't get any of the technology, and they also can't get any of the um, the resources to manufacture. Mm. You know, all that's. I'm trying to think what what ones you've got left. Um, you've got the like Kelvin House still got his forge. Yeah, but that's about it. Like, there's not there's not many more knocking around. No, I think did um, did crumbs get complete? I can't remember. Did, I don't I think, think crumbs got completely destroyed. Did it? He no, managed but, to push them back. But because yeah, it was Ca- Cambodias that was yeah. uh, on on crumbs. Um, uh, he went to secure that and found that he was one of the traitors. Um, yeah. So, so was forced back. Yeah, but yeah. So it's not not a good time for the mm. uh, for the loyalists, the Mechanicum, or the Imperium in general. Yeah, and that's it. And you know, and like you said, it doesn't play out for anybody. I mean, a few people have managed to survive on that on that list. There, what we got: Helber, Hal, Kane, a couple of others, maybe. Well, it's it's, it's interesting that after this one, I think, and I don't know because I haven't haven't got that far beyond it, but like there's, it's a while before, like a a lot of the the next sort of uh, chunk of books are all very Astartes, Mm. with the exception of one that's about the um, Assassinorum, which is also a very good book. That's Nemesis, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's I, not too far away. I, I, you know, that that's one that gets a bit of um, a bit of a critical panning. Um, mm. But I, I said I liked it. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's it's distant in my distant future. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's a while before we get any more mechanical bits and pieces. Mm. Um, yeah, and then I think that's really related to it, other than hearing, you know, minor, you know, bits and pieces. It's like we know who Kelbor Howe is now, and yeah. like you know, that relates back to a, one of the books we've seen previously. Um, I don't know the next time we actually get anything that's really focused on on the Mechanicum. So although it's it's been good, it it, it feels like it's. Um, yeah, it's kind of left left for a little bit without really giving us much more future, if that yeah. makes sense. Because there's a lot that goes on here, right? Like Mars is effectively the traitors of what? Yeah, like that. That's it. The traitors hold Mars. So yeah, yeah, because Kane's in charge now, and he and he's fled. He's had to flee. Yeah, so that's like a big. That's a big deal. Like you know that that you know in the the scope of things that's their the traitors hold Mars. It is going to be in it. Well, it's going to be important because it's it's in the soul system, and so would give Horace a perfect staging ground for for launching his attacks on Terra. So I'm sure we'll hear more about it, but I think it's a while yeah. before we get there. Yeah, we de- we definitely have to because uh, in modern Mars is back on. The, on the right side, isn't it? Like, uh, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so Mars, Imperium. but where because of this schism, well, the yeah. schism of Mars, it's whereas before it was like the central forge world. Yeah. 
in in modern day Imperium, um, that there are multiple Forge worlds that are, you know, not. I, I would say on equal footing. I think it's right. fair to say on equal footing, so that Mars is no longer like the set. It is the spiritual center of the um, Mechanicum, but ultimately there are other Forge worlds that deliver just as much, if not more, than than Mars. Uh, and primarily because this schism happened. Yeah, well, put all your eggs in one basket sort of thing, innit? Yep, that's it. Cool. Well, I'll tell you what, we should do the... There is another page that we'll go through, the addenda, just to, to wrap up this book, that's and then we'll do our, our final thoughts and look forward to the next one, I think. Absolutely. So, addenda one. Uh, the last two nights of Tranis made a steady descent into the rocky depths of the Medusa Fosse. Searching for an automated, an automated, an automated research facility that Romu assured them they would find. Here, the two knights and their passengers would wait until the hostilities died down before emerging to see what was left of their home by order of the girl with the golden light. Deep, this is number two, deep in the Noctis Labyrinthus, Dahlia and Romu took up their stewardship. A small measure of golden light had been transferred to Romu. They were content in their knowledge that their friends were far away from the fighting. Only much later, when Dahlia dared to return to the silver cavern, did she see that the book containing the Grand Lie of Mars had been taken. Ten thousand years would pass before the next guardian was drawn to the Noxus Labyrinthus, but by then the damage was done. And that's the end of the book. There we go. Yep. So, oh, yeah. last, so two nights of Tyrannus still stands, and I'm assuming the two passengers they're talking about are um, Caxton and, and Zooch. Zooch, yeah. Uh, what would be interesting is whether the, the knights of Tyrannus remain Tyrannus or whether they become, what do they call them, free blades. Right. Total, total tangent. <laughs> Again, what happens in the law when a like knightly house is destroyed? Yeah. Or they're the last remains. Those knights become or can become free blades, and they effectively will will fight for, still fight for good, fight for Imperium and stuff like mm. that. But they are effectively um, orphaned from their from their house because the house no longer exists. Yeah. So they they effectively become yeah um, free free blades as it as it. Knights for hire. That's it. It's it's kind of like that, um, which is quite. As I said, sad because it's Tyrannus and, you know, we've, we've been through a lot with them. Um, but also, you know, it's a cool bit of lore, so mm. I quite like it. But I don't know how, how you go about re... You know, it's not like the Titans are going to repopulate. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you go about create bringing a house back. Um, they got quite a few years to wait underneath in the cavern, I guess. That's uh, true. That's yeah, true. I don't you know. might figure it out. Yeah, but... Um, it, that yeah, it's nice that they're still still around, um, yeah. and it's you know it's full circle, right? It's where we started. Yeah, and then um, so who took the, the book? The bit about the book, I mean, this so this is just GW calls and all sorts of shit, like because like who took the book? It could have been. Well, it, it's going to be what Zeus or Caxton, but Caxton was unconscious. Uh, yeah, it's not going to have been either of the Titan. Uh, no, they never went down there. No. Um, so, 
what was what was her name that she, when she chucked herself off? Did oh, Severin. She, did she chuck herself off? Oh, what do you think she was hanging on? Could could be, could be. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I don't know. Like I mean, it's it's because it it's this is a it's a tale to nowhere, right? Yeah. It is GW purposely going. Let's throw something out there that they can't ever answer to keep them noodling. It's the same as the lost Primarchs, the lost Legions. It's all that sort of stuff. It's like, yeah. we're never, we're never going to tell you what's going to happen there. You're just going to have to keep guessing. And that's what this feels like. It's like, oh, and it will take, I don't know, 10,000 years before that one's solved. And it's like, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. You pick that number out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, you're talking shit. <laughs> So I don't know. Um, I I will, uh, although I say that, what I will do is is now have a, a serious Google to find out whether that does reveal itself, <laughs> and there is anything about the lie of Mars um, that comes up again. I don't think it does, but you know, it's got. It's, surely it's got. It, I mean, I know it's only one book in a series of fifty plus, but it was a big deal for this book. It was like at one of the main points was the great. The Grand Lion Mars. No, I know, I know, but it's it's like you know the the law in this instance does. We're going to get into into this side of it, but it does a lot of good things about you know maintaining a lot of the stories, a lot of the lore, a lot of the intrigue without actually moving it forward. So one of the um, more recent issues that I've I've read about, picked up online, is that by bringing Gilliman back by creating these um, events that are moving the narrative forward, you now have to have an endpoint. You have to keep going. You've, you've created movement. You have to keep moving it forward. Whereas before, it was all, you know, it didn't matter. You had these characters. You had these heroes. They, they existed in isolated stories. Now you've said, ah, oh, right, we've got that hero, that Primarch. We're going to bring him back. And then we're going to have these war zones like Nakmund and Octarius before it that are actually pushing the narrative forward, which is which is great in the one hand because you are getting new campaigns, you get new things to do and play and stuff like that. But eventually it's going to cause problems because you're going to have to get to a point where you have to resolve things. Um, and that's that's what, 40k has been really good at not doing um which is fine because that's that's kept everyone interested that means you know you can you know i can have my regular black main character and play him or or you know dave can have his hell wreck but at some point or another those characters have to die yeah and that that's the issue they've got is you don't want anyone to die but you also have to have everyone die um, because we're we're now moving the narrative forward, so it's going to be interesting to see how they tackle. That. Yeah, and again, tangent away from the Black Library and <laughs> Cool. Um, so wrapping up, then final thoughts on Mechanicum. Uh, I think it's good. I think it's uh, it's a good book. It's a change of pace yeah. from the others. So I think you have to you have to persevere with it. Um, because I think up to this point it's been a lot of uh, bolter porn, and you know, good, good stuff with the Astartes and the early, the early heresy. 
Yeah. I think you just have to, I think you have to persevere. Once you've got through the first couple of chapters and you're used to like the change in tone and language, which is more of a symptom of the, mecha the Adeptus Mechanicus. Yeah. Once you get into that, it's a great book and it's got great moments as we've, as we've talked about and yeah. a lot of intrigue that's worth, worth digging into. So I think initially when I first started reading it, I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then actually I've, I've come to really, really enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I hope that like, if it's not just me and you doing this and no one watches it, but I hope everyone does watch it. They enjoy it as well, because I really like picking them apart and, mm. and like working out what's going on and what people are thinking and all that sort of stuff and reactions. I, I, I enjoy doing that. And this has been a really good one for it because yeah. Like, especially looking at Dahlia, although she's got a bit of the luck of, well, the bad luck, I guess, of um, being able to just do things Harry Potter style. Like, <laughs> she was really, like, clueless as well, to a point. Yeah. Um, land on this mental planet full of mental robot people um, and just cracking on with it. I've, yeah, like, getting her point of view. A bit like um, all the remembrances and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I really, yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, this was a good one like you say I want to know more I want to yeah. know more I want to see get these other questions answered that probably we never will um, but it does make you read on and hope for it indeed and like it drives you to even like like me like I google the law I'll look things up I'll be like you know what does happen to Dahlia what does mm. you know what what is the dragon and yeah. you start having you know, you go down wormholes, you get to speech and go into, you know, uh, Reddit and chat groups and stuff like that and you start having these these discussions. And, you know, ev that's the joy. That is one of the good things about, as I was saying, like with, with that narrative, where they don't give answers to everything. Yeah. Everyone can have an opinion. Everyone can have a, a theory and no one's wrong. Mm. As soon as they mm. put definitive actions on it, then you 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 take that imagination out of it. You take that scope out of it. Like yeah. as I said, I could be dead set that the dragon of Mars is, you know, a Necron shard. You could turn around and say to me, no, actually, it's a, um, you know, it's a, it's a massive tyrannid synapse creature. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We're both right and we're both wrong. Yeah. And but if they actually say it's something, then we're then we're done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I, I like to be spoon-fed, though. I know, I know. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, but I get it. Yeah, no, it is. But the, but the thing is, unless they suddenly shut down production, like they can always revisit this stuff. And I mean, they're still doing the Siege of Terror at the minute. Yeah, exactly. Um, so they can always, when they've done that, they can always backtrack and fill in some blanks. Uh, yeah, they can go back, they can pick stuff up, and they can go, right, we'll now do, um, you know, Dahlia and Romu, the buddy comedy that we've all been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, that could be quite good. I mean, Romu's um, the comedian. We found oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and Dahlia's the straight man. Yeah, without a uh, doubt. <laughs> oh, that, that, could be, that could be quite interesting. Although they are just standing in a cave for 10,000 years, pretty much. So That's it, in, in inventing their own version of chess with pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, right well unless there's any other points to wrap up part 
400 of Mechanicum. Yeah, I have no other tangents to take us on. <laughs> well, uh, so that will lead us into Tales of Heresy, um, which we're looking forward to, all the short stories. Um, I'm halfway through the second one, and I've enjoyed them both so far. Uh, so we'll look forward to seeing you on those ones. But for the time being, Ireland Ceramite, stick us in Google, um, and we'll pop up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you're listening to us, come over to YouTube uh, and have a look at the channel and other bits and pieces we've got on there. And if you're on YouTube, but you want to listen to us on the go, then anywhere you get your podcast from, you can find us there. Uh, we've got a Twitch um, that needs dusting off. We've got a Patreon that needs looking at, but <laughs> have a look anyway. Um, but if you are into the hobby or if you buy your books uh, and you go to Element Games, they do everything um, at a discounted price anyway. And if you want to just give us a little bit of a help, um, use our link that's in the description below. Uh, no extra cost to yourself. We'll get a little kickback for sending you. Um, and then any money we get, we'll put back into the channel. And then, as always, it's Glenn versus Shane versus... Well, you say Ooh. that. I'm going to quickly give a shout out to, uh, well, a, a player called uh, Kovi, K-O-V-I, who has been uh, has come in and uh, has started really challenging the uh, the top spots oh. in our combat cards clan. So wow. uh, you know, um, welcome welcome aboard. So is he is he giving you a run for your money, or is he just pegging at we, your heels? No, we've 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 uh, we've traded traded top spot throughout oh, wow. this, this current month's season or whatever we call it. So. Yeah. You know, I, I think I've over the past day I've built up a bit of daylight, but um, I wake up in the morning and he's he's definitely chipped away at it. And but we've been we've been back and forth at top spot. So um, yeah, welcome welcome to the clan. Oh dear, mechanicum assassin heading your way, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, that's it. Um, thank you for joining us. Give us some feedback. Let us know what you think, and we will see you for some tales of heresy. on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and any other good podcast services. Just remember, in the grim darkness of the far future, there is only war.